Welcome to another edition of the Dementia Care Partner Talk Show. Now, here's dementia care expert Tifa Snow and your host, Greg Phelps. Hello and welcome to the Dementia Care Partners podcast brought to you by Positive Approach to Care. I'm your host along with our usual guest, well, co-host, more than anything else, Tipa Snow. Tipa, um, had a whole bunch of questions we sort of got to last time, and that left us with about another, I think, uh, six pages on uh, on a spreadsheet that I was given. So we have a few more to go through, and I've tried to lump some of them together, like benefits for both care partner and person living with dementia, adult day programs, and group respite programs. Let's start with those two, because those are fairly softball type of issues. Yeah, so um, two different kinds of programs out there, adult day programming and respite programming. So adult day, it actually comes in two flavors, if you will. Um, There's the social model, which is used when people primarily are needing some support socially. And then there's the healthcare model where we may have physical, cognitive, emotional health issues. And so you need a little more expertise on board. Now, you know, some some places have a combination. You can be either or both, you know, you're either either, you can't be both, you're either one or the other. And for people living with dementia, um, it really does vary because early in dementia, one of the things that might be beneficial is to give people a place to go every day, like a work place to go or a social place to go or a a activity space where there are things going on that I can engage in with other people or with some support so that I'm not just staying at home either with the care partner or on my own because the care partner may have other responsibilities. So Greg, what are some possible things other the care partners might be doing other than supporting me early in a dementia, do you think? Oh, they might have jobs. Oh, jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, what else? Well, they might have uh, children. They might have mm-hmm. all sorts of different things that are yeah. more time-consuming than care-consuming. Yeah, and so depending on what other responsibilities the care partner has, you know, sometimes there's a need for me to be in a situation where um, they feel comfortable, because if I'm home alone, there are some emotions sometimes associated with that. I feel guilty when I'm not there. I I feel like she's not doing anything. I feel that I not feel like I'm not doing a good job as a a care partner. Uh, uh, Yet when I'm with her all the time, it it drives me crazy. I I don't know what, I mean, she asked me the same questions or she doesn't, she asked me what to do and I don't know what else to have her do. I mean, so, you know, sometimes time apart from one another is really healthy and valuable time for both of us. And it's sometimes it's because, I hate to say this, but the care partner doesn't trust me as a person living with dementia to be able to be in a space all by myself doing what I've done before. And there may be evidence for that, or it could be just a discomfort or a fear, Um, or it could be that I I really do like being with other people and I don't want to be on my own. And so I might go seeking other people if nobody's about, Um, and me going out on my own due to some of the symptoms I have might not be safe. Um, because I might make mistakes and then end up in a distressing situation or, you know, get myself in trouble or use resources unwisely. 
So yeah, that day programming kind of idea, it can be set up, it can be consistent. It might be, in some cases, programs operate five days a week. There are a few places that operate seven days a week. Um, people can come in for one day, two, three, every other day, full time. Um, and so, you know, many communities have started to develop this and have it, although COVID shut most of these programs down. And what we're finding is that at least in some areas, restarting those programs, it's going very slow. And some of the resources and funding and opportunities just have not come back. And the risk of being together and how to do that, I mean, it's really been a challenge to restart some of those programs. And so not all programs are coming back. Um, so I would, I would imagine the, the respite yeah. programs are probably in a similar situation because you face even more hurdles because it could be overnight respite. It could be all day respite. And respite for who is always the question that is sort yeah. of thrown in there. Yeah. So respite can be a couple of, I mean, there's different kinds of respite programs. Some communities have funding and you can do respite in your own home and get carers. You can do respite in a community, in a facility, in an agency with an agency. Could be an hour or two, or it could be a day. It could be a week. It could be two weeks. So the respite is typically for the person who's providing support and care. Um, they need a break. They need to go on vacation. They have a they have a healthcare emergency of their own. They have issues that they need to deal with, and it they need to focus, and so they need that respite time. Um, sometimes it's for both people, um, because the person living with dementia is just as tired of the carer as the carer is of them. Or I need different people around me. I just want something different to do. I'm tired of doing the same old, same old. Um, and so having some respite, and it could be a very brief. Program. I mean, there are some respite programs that operate two hours a day, and yet for some family members, that's the relief they get, so I'll take it. Um, some residential programs, assisted livings or nursing homes, sometimes have some beds they call respite beds that can be used when somebody's going to be away for a while and they want their person in a safer or a secured environment, I would use the word secured, you know, for that person may or may not be safer given their reaction or response to it. The thing about respite, um, that's a 24 hour respite is, have we ever tried something like that before? How much travel did the person do before? How long has it been since they were someplace else? Because if you're going on a trip and you think, okay, well, I'm gonna use this respite money and I'm gonna use this respite bed and you haven't, practiced it all beforehand, you might be asking everybody to take a risk here that could be a higher risk than you want on your vacation, which simply means maybe you should try a day or two ahead of time, you know, just in the, in the time beforehand when you made the decision, I'd like to go on vacation, just to see what happens when you're away for a day or so. Well, as, as usual, Tipa, we, we start out with a script and then we just sort of throw it out the window here because you've sort of led me down another garden path. Oh. Um, if, if you're going to place someone in care or entrust that person to care, have somebody in your home or place them, you probably want somebody who knows a little bit more than looking after the neighbor's dog uh, or, or babysitting because it's not the same. No. Yeah. And it's, I think, you know, some people are like, oh yeah, no, I, I do respite, you know, and you're thinking, okay, so tell me a little bit about yourself and your background and what training you've had. 
oh, well, I've, my grandma had, you know, it's like, okay, so you have an experience of one human being caring and supporting that one human being. Tell me what other background. It's like, well, I love old people or I, you know, I'd like to be helpful. I, you know, it's like, that's all great to know. But, you know, for me, there is a lot more skill if you're not going to be here and I'm going to assume responsibility for making sure things go well for the person and I, boy, I hope I have the skill set needed for that. And I think people underestimate uh, what it might take to take on responsibility of a 24-7 management or even an eight-hour management of someone um, if you don't know them that well and you don't know how to get what you need to be accurately supportive and you don't have the skills that you need to help somebody you don't know. Now, are, are these skills that I can develop by working with you through positive approach? Do you have videos? Because I, I don't have to become a trainer or a consultant no. or anything else, but what, what can you do that would give me some basic knowledge so I can step into this role if needed? Yeah, so you could start with the simple things like YouTube, Check out the YouTubes, a few of those, and then start looking at, we have videos that have positive approach to care or pack skills make the difference. It's a video, you can get that, you can look at that, practice that. We have champion courses where you can come on and work on your interaction skills so that your comfort level goes up with working with people with different abilities. We have consulting, we also have mentoring hours so that if you really have something you wanna get good at, we're there to support you wanting to get good at it in a variety of ways. All right. So we're running out of time on this one. We've driven the truck in the ditch, but I do have to ask one question that was thrown at us. And it was, um, my person doesn't like to paint anymore. They always paint it. Um, so the logical thought I think from this person was, well, mom's at home. I'll just buy her paints and she can sit there mm -hmm. and look out the window and paint. And mom just sort of just doesn't even touch them. Yeah. Well, if I have awareness I'm changing, then... When I go to do the things the way I've done them before and it's not working, the last thing I want to do is keep struggling with it. And for you to think that I'm going to pick it up and do it just because I've done it before, it's like, so it looks like painting isn't the answer. Okay, listen, I'm wondering if you would take a picture, look at this picture for me. I know you don't want to paint, but I would appreciate if I were to mix colors, which colors do you think I should mix here to get that blue? Because I was thinking I would try to copy this picture. And frankly, I could use some help. So you could try and, and, and you're fishing. You're doing a little bit of fishing. fishing. And if the response is just an absolute uh-uh. Okay. Yeah. You cut your losses. No, and... I'm going to get rid of this stuff. Okay. Tell you what, I could use your help in the kitchen. I need to put together um, a salad. So if you would look in the fridge and see if you can find the carrots, the lettuce, and uh, I have radishes in there, I think. They're the red ones and the orange of the carrots. And then there's that green lettuce or the spinach, either one. So don't give up, go back to some basics and, and take another run at it. Yeah. And what I picked is something you do with your hands and your eyes and you create something, but what we're going to create is a salad. Um, so I've kept the idea of creation. I've kept the idea of colors. I've kept the idea of using your hands and your eyes in a tool. This one might be either shredding or using a knife or using a shredder, you know, a, a peeler. But I'm having somebody try something because I want to double check myself. Is it skill at doing things or is it 
just that it hurts to try to do painting when I used to feel like I was good at it and now I don't know how. So it gives us a way to go and fill that time with something that works for both of us. Deepa, thank you very much. Thanks, everybody. Take care. You've been listening to the Dementia Care Partners podcast, brought to you by Positive Approach to Care. For more information on today's program or other information related to dementia, simply open your browser and type in tipasnow.com.